0: A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion where just about anything goes. Some of the stories I'm going to share with you tonight. Uh, believe it or not, we can predict whether men have cheated based on their face I'll share that study. When is it okay to ghost someone? Is it ever okay to ghost someone? We'll talk about a suspected uh, panty bandit, maybe in your neighborhood. Look out for that one. And is Facebook the place to talk about your breakup we'll also play dirty minds after 10 30 and your chance to win a one month unlimited pass to 360 punch a new boutique gym out on the west island but first time to check out our inbox your texts are always welcome connect with passion at 514-800 Remember, you can always send me your emails to laurie at So here's one I didn't answer last night, but came through last night. Uh, statistically speaking, do rich people have more sex than poor people? That's a good question. There's actually quite a few studies done on uh, socioeconomic status and sexual satisfaction, cheating behavior and, um, well, and, and, and basically qual, uh, quantity of sex. So what the studies have shown, at least the ones I've seen, is that the wealthier people are more likely to marry. Uh, they are also more likely to cheat. Uh, but uh, wealthier people also seem to have more satisfying sex lives than their poor counterparts. And a couple of studies I found uh, found that rich men do have more sex than poor men. It says nothing, though, about women. So I don't know um, in terms of the socioeconomic status of women. But that is at least for for men. Uh, We also talked uh, yesterday, I think I read an email from uh, somebody who was older. And this texter wrote in, I recently heard in the news that a 100-year-old man And his uh, 102 female counterpart just got married. And when asked what they enjoyed doing together most, he replied, I can't talk about that on the radio. Uh, Just goes to show how being sexually active is an ageless expression of feelings, emotions, and desires, thereby not necessarily being restricted to youth alone. Definitely not restricted to youth alone. I've spoken to many people. In their 80s and beyond, who fall in love again, and they talk about the way they feel is exactly how they felt when they were much younger, even when they were uh, teenage, uh, in, you know, teenagers in love. So love is ageless. The need, the desire to be loved, is ageless. Romance is ageless. The desire uh, for somebody else and for touch and for intimacy is ageless. Let's remember that as uh, we look to our older, um, pe- older people around us before we, uh, we judge it, right? Because there is a tendency to think we have a kind of an ageism, a lot of ageism going on in our society where we think uh, older people uh, shouldn't have sex, don't have sex, don't have love and all of that stuff. And that's just not, uh, not true whatsoever. All right. Let me, uh, share this email. It says it starts with firstly, let me congratulate you on the success of your great radio program. Thank you very much. And by the way, just side note, we, we, In August, we're celebrating our 20th year on the air. So uh, it'll be our 20th birthday party. Stay tuned because there will be some details. We're throwing a big bash and it will be a contest uh, for uh, for our listeners. So stay tuned for that. In the next few weeks, I'll talk more about that. All right, goes on to say, it has taken me some time to write this message to you. I'm a 34-year-old male in relatively good health and married to a beautiful woman with an incredible child. I have a great career. I've been married to my wife um, for approximately five years. I'm ashamed of my sex life. I've lost complete confidence in my abilities and performance. I consider myself to be a premature ejaculator and have struggled to get erections regularly or what I consider normally for the past several years. I make love with my wife very rarely and this has been the case for several years now. When I mean rarely, less than five times per year. I am ashamed and hope you're not freaking out right now. No, I'm not sure why I would. Uh, It pains me to think that my wife has to live with someone who doesn't fulfill her sexual needs. She tells me that she loves me very much and doesn't want to be with anybody else. She partially blames herself for our very poor sex life. She thinks she could be doing more from her end. She blames it on our busy lifestyle and both mental and physical fatigue. We used to have sex several times a week when we were dating and during the first year of marriage. I'm not sure what happened. Even back then, I considered myself a premature ejaculator partially because I'm afraid that I'll lose my erection during sex and won't be able to get it back. I've never spoken to my family physician about it. I've not visited my doctor regularly for the past few years because I'm embarrassed to speak to him about it. I masturbate about once a week. When masturbating, my erections are not full and I ejaculate in less than a minute. However, I notice very early in the morning, if I wake, my erections are full at 100%. I'm thinking of using Viagra, but haven't yet. I would like to seek medical advice and consult prior to this, but I also feel that my issue is psychological as well as physical. I'll stop here because I don't know what more I can tell you. Well, that's pretty thorough and gives me a pretty good idea of what is going on. So a couple things here are happening. So it sounds like performance anxiety, but the performance anxiety could be due to the premature ejaculation, which then can lead to... Uh, erectile dysfunction so the, all three of them may be connected but I would want to have your blood flow checked to your penis and see if there's anything going on there because you say even with masturbation it's not always a firm erection so it's something that I would uh, I would want to rule out any physical cause so Please don't be shy to speak to your physician who takes care of your entire well-being. You have to share with your doctor anything that is going awry in your body. And that includes your genitals. So please, please, please have this conversation. Uh, Premature ejaculation is very common in men, but it can be treated. But you need to talk about it in order to treat it sounds like you might be a good candidate for viagra which has been shown not only to increase erections but also to delay ejaculation a bit so make men last a little longer other medications that can be used we talked about this so uh, we've talked about this many times on the air um, ssris or uh, what's known as uh, antidepressants but in very low dose so that might be something that you uh, that you can try remember that you can be sexual together without having intercourse so if the two of you can have conversations about sexuality and talk about how you're feeling and talk about your insecurities rather than let it be the big elephant in the room and avoiding any sexual contact, then, uh, it would go, you'd go a long way to rebuilding uh, a sexuality with your wife. Like there are many, many things the two of you can do that don't necessarily involve a, uh, uh, an erect penis. So I want you, uh, to think about that. So see your doctor, let's see if there's a blockage anywhere, let's see if everything is okay, try Viagra, if Viagra doesn't work, or one of the other medications like it, then maybe a medication for uh, premature ejaculation. You can try a spray, which is a numbing spray as well, which might uh, help you maintain that erection too, so that's another uh, possibility as well. It was a bit of a long email, but you know what? It uh, it was very thorough, so I think uh, I think we got that that answered. Coming up, we'll talk about uh, whether we can predict uh, if people have cheated based on just what their face looks like, and I'll share some studies with you on that. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Do you think you could tell just by looking at someone if they have ever cheated? Well, uh, this group of people decided to find out. uh, And what they discovered is that people can predict with modest accuracy, meaning more than chance. Okay, whether a man, but not a woman, has cheated before based solely on the appearance of his face. This was just published in uh, the journal Royal Society Open Science. So in this study, what they did was they um, talked to 1,500, a little more than 1,500 heterosexual adults. Uh, 61% of those were female white female i should add and they viewed facial pictures of either male or female adults of the same race as them the people in the pictures had neutral expressions the photos were cropped such that most of the hair neck and ears were not visible so only the face was the main focus for each picture participants were asked to answer the question how likely is this person to be unfaithful on a scale ranging from not at all likely to extremely likely the people who provided their photos for this study had also been asked and reported on their uh, cheating and poaching behaviors. So basically they reported how many times they'd been in a relationship and they had sex with someone else cheating, as well as how many times they'd had sex with someone else they knew was already in a relationship. So infidelity the other way. Okay. Uh, it turned out that both male and female participants were able to predict whether men had engaged in cheating and or poaching based only on looking at their faces. Uh, but neither of the genders were able to predict whether women had cheated or poached before based on looks alone. So what is it? Like, what is it specifically that is cluing people in to whether men had cheated? Well, apparently facial masculinity appeared to be the key. Men with more masculine looking faces, so like a square like jaw, basically, versus a rounded face, were rated more likely to be unfaithful, and indeed, these men had committed more acts of cheating and poaching. I don't know what the message is here, but are we going to go around looking at faces and facial structures and say, well, no, your your face is too square and uh, too masculine, and therefore you're a cheater"? Well, you can't make that jump. Let's just remember it was. Slightly better than chance, but not one. There's too many factors that go into infidelity to be able to say it's simply a facial feature. So remember, we always have to take these studies with a grain of salt and we cannot generalize to the entire population of men, okay? Well, this was in the uh, Montreal News, by the way. A 28 year old man was arrested by Gatineau police on Thursday after allegedly stealing articles of women's clothing from clotheslines outside six local homes. Police say that in each of the half-dozen cases, the suspect... (laughs) <laughs> this is like dumbass allegedly left a note in plain view of the victims in which he expressed an interest in purchasing their underwear even going so far as to inviting them to contact him so he steals the panties off the lines leaves a note hoping that you know they'll want to sell more of their panties left his phone number basically after he'd stolen the panties Is this not a dumbass move? Uh, All the complaints to police came from women living in the city's Masson-Angers district, but investigators think it's possible there were thefts in other neighborhoods as well. So he's uh, facing charges of theft, criminal harassment, illegal entry. This is... Clearly a fetish, right? Uh, A fetish leading to criminal behavior, which of course (laughs) you don't want to do and get plastered all over the news for stealing panties and having your fetish laid out there for everybody uh, to see. But unfortunately, some people, some men who have this panty fetish will go to great lengths and it's not just underwear fetish although this is not the first story i've heard of uh men stealing um underwear i remember the story of a guy who actually used to uh, uh, like be a i don't know if he's a contractor worked it, in people's homes and he had a panty fetish and he would uh, like go into the bedrooms of the women and into the laundry baskets and steal their uh, used uh, uh worn panties basically but what would happen if he had gotten caught like you these are risks you just uh, you just don't take when a fetish leads to illegal behavior similarly like exhibitionism and voyeurism those are also illegal fetishes if carried out in in public to unsuspecting uh, unwanted uh, non-consenting people so just saying Are you a dog owner? How much do you kiss your pet, your dog? A new study says that over half the dog owners kiss their pets more than their partners. I'm actually not surprised by this. In my practice, many times I've heard the complaint he pays more effect. Pays more attention to the dog than to me, or she's always cuddling with the dog and not with me, or something to that effect. So we do pay quite a bit of attention to our pets, sometimes far more than to our uh, our spouse. So this was done by a dog treat company. Again, remember, grain of salt. They conducted a survey to see how much pet parents value their dogs uh the company asked dog owners across the u.s how much love and attention they gave their dogs and it turns out they give their pets more love than they give their humans 52 percent of respondents admitted to kissing their dog more than their partner Uh 52 percent of them said they preferred to sleep in bed with their dog over their partner so get out partner move in dog So I don't know if this is, uh, comes as a surprise to you. Are you a pet owner or not? I I bet you the pet owners are not surprised, uh, by this. 94% of pet parents surveyed said they considered their dog to be one of their, uh, best friends. And really that's how important a pet is to, uh, to a lot of people, uh, for them, uh, for these people, uh, their pet is like a child. Their pet comes first. Their comfort is what matters the most. And they're willing to do what it takes to make sure their pets are safe and happy in their home. It's just that at the expense of their partner, I don't know, right? So apart from the fact that they are your uh, best friend, there seem to be health benefits. This is what I found interesting. Health benefits from kissing your dog, Researchers at the University of Arizona believe that the microbes contained in a dog's gut may have a probiotic effect on the human body. That means you have to kiss your dog on the mouth, basically, which can encourage the growth of positive microorganisms. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know. They say we've co-evolved with dogs over the millennia, but nobody really understands what it is about this dog-human relationship that makes us feel good about being around uh dogs is it just that they're fuzzy and we like to pet them or is there something else going on under the skin the question really is has the relationship between dogs and humans gotten under the skin and we believe it has we essentially want to find out is a dog acting like yogurt in having a probiotic effect several research studies have shown dog owners tend to be happier And some have even shown that dogs and their owners share much of the same gut bacteria over time. We think, they say, we think dogs might work as probiotics to enhance the health of the bacteria that live in our guts. These bacteria or microbiota are increasingly recognized as playing an essential role in our mental and physical health, especially as we age. Bottom line, go kiss your dog. It's not yucky. It's not bad. It could actually be helpful according to this research. But, you know, before you start making out with your dog, you might want to, uh, to look into this a a little bit more, but you've heard the arguments, right? How many people have said, oh, a dog's mouth is so much cleaner than whatever it is. Well, apparently that's, uh, quite true, or it seems to, uh, they seem to at least resemble our own, uh, organism in terms of our, our gut health. So interesting, uh, coming up besides all the other stories plus we'll play uh dirty minds after 10:30 your chance to win a 1 month unlimited Past a 360 punch and uh, by the way if you want to take a free class you can try it out tomorrow I will be there at 9 15 a.m so if you can get out of bed and get your butt over there we can have a, a good cardio boxing class it'll be a, a lot of fun so you can show up at 9 15 but coming up after uh, 10 30 we'll play dirty minds and talk about teen sexting it may be Better, than, uh, better for teens than we thought. That'll be interesting. Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. We were just talking about kissing your dog and Dexter writes in, hashtag bestiality in Canada. We're not saying have sex with your dog. We're talking about affection with your dog, kisses with your dog, your dog licks your face, you kiss your dog's face, whatever, or your cat. That's not bestiality, just saying. All right, time to play Dirty Minds. You know how this works? I'm going to give you three clues. Uh, Then you have to guess and call in 514-790-0800 Aaron will take, uh, the first caller through that has the right answer and you will win. You will win a one month unlimited pass to 360 punch. So first caller through with the right answer gets the prize. Here goes. Cher doesn't have one. Letterman has a long one. Leno has a short one. What am I? Try not to make this one too dirty. All right. So Cher doesn't have one. Letterman has a long one. Leno has a short one. What am I? 514-790-0800. Let me share with you now this, uh, this study. A new study finds that, uh, finds teen sextings. So you know what, what sexting means, right? It's uh, sending either nude pictures or, or sexually explicit pictures to each other or uh, writings like sexy stuff to each other, things like that. Uh, so the study finds teen sexting doesn't deserve the bad rap it's getting. So sending nude pics can actually be, listen, this is what the researchers say, indicative of healthy exploration and is increasingly becoming a rite of passage. Adolescents' exploration of their sexual identity is not only normal, but a developmental and biological uh, imperative, says the researcher. Uh, This was uh, published in the journal, The Lancet. And what they did was they analyzed, but it was a meta-analysis. So they analyzed 39 studies that tracked more than 110,000 teens. And uh, which is interesting because we need to know a whole lot more about this. And in the States, even more so, because they were trying to figure out like how realistic is an abstinence only approach to sexuality education. (laughs) Clearly it's not realistic, but anyhow, uh, one of the basic rules this, uh, sex educator says I always talk about is know your angles. And I don't mean figure out which way you're going to (laughs) look, uh, best. She encourages her students to cover up distinguishing marks, including tattoos, birthmarks, and freckles in their photos, and to make sure the background is ambiguous. In other words, you don't want to be uh, so identified, right? Um, now they say we have to have much bigger conversations than simply, hey, don't send a naked picture. Although I, we, it's like saying don't have sex. Like we need to have more of a conversation than just a don't do it type of conversation. So you have to be uh, preemptive about it. You have to know that they are doing it, but you have to teach adolescents to think critically about sexting before it becomes an issue. So there is such a thing as safe sexting. People have to take, teenagers have to learn about this and take um, precautions they tell you to uh they tell them to protect your device, use your password. Uh that cloud storage tends to be much more easily hacked into, so keeping sensitive photos in more private places than on your phone's uh photo roll, for example. You also have to talk about the legal thing. Kids need to be told what the uh, what the law is that there could be legal implications that, um, uh, minors can even be prosecuted for, uh, possession of child pornography, which is punishable under law. So you have like, they need to know all of this stuff, right? Uh, but we, what, one thing we know for certain is that it happens. It happens more than we think and this is one way that teens are using to explore uh their sexuality and it so it must absolutely be included in a sexual education program we want to make people we've talked about porn literacy we want to make them porn, uh, critical, like critical th- thinkers of what they see in pornography, which they have access to, which many and most, I would say by, uh, 16 or 17 have certainly seen it. You want to make them critical thinkers of what they see, but you also have to make them think critically of the, um, of the sexting. It's just not enough to say don't, and it's not going away anytime soon, right? So all of these issues are things we never had to think about before, but hey, now uh, we do. All right, so let's do it. All right, we have a winner, uh, Stefan. Congratulations. Uh, So here are the clues again. Cher doesn't have one. Letterman has a long one. Leno has a short one. It's not a penis, as you might think. It is a last name. The answer is the last name. Stefan, congratulations. Hope to see you at 360 Punch. I will be there, like I said, tomorrow at 9.15 for a class. So if you'd like to join me in working out, would, uh, would love to see you there. Would be lots and lots of fun. All right, more studies I want to uh, share with you today. Have you ever gone on Facebook and seen a post from somebody you know, like with a kind of a sad story, like somebody saying, uh, like just sharing bad news on uh, on Facebook. Does it make you uncomfortable? Do you judge it? Do you look at this and say, why the heck is this person talking about this? Is Facebook really only for happy things or can we share the uh, bad stuff that are, uh, are happening to us? So people looked into this and, um, what they found is that many users view this platform as a way to basically solicit and receive support from large numbers of people. And, uh, and so all of this self-disclosure, hoping that it's a way to kind of forge some form of, of intimacy, but a recent study has shown that sharing highly personal and negatively balanced information online can make other people uncomfortable. I want to know if it makes you uncomfortable um, when you see things like that. Uh, and also they found for the most serious or potentially upsetting types of intimate disclosures, most people prefer that others share these offline if at all, so they had like uh, close to 400 people between the ages of 18 to 73, uh, and they were basically presented with three simulated like high-intimacy negative connotation Facebook posts that were from you know taken from from real Facebook uh, basically uh, newsfeed, and then they were asked. Or, or they were presented the range of options for interacting with the post that they would if they were on Facebook. So not interacting at all, responding with a like or responding with a sad surprise or angry emoticon or writing a comment in the comment box. Participants also indicated their level of comfort for each one. Well, as it turned out, they were not comfortable with this. Um, it was, yeah, especially about breaking up, like breaking up was, um, a big thing. Is Facebook a place to talk about your breakup? Absolutely uh, not. This made people far more uncomfortable than anything else. And in fact, did not garner, like didn't promote more support for the person. So, uh, most people said like, let's talk about it offline not online. I want to know your experiences with that. If it makes you uncomfortable, when is it okay to ghost someone? Is it ever okay to just like disappear, just disappear uh, when you're uh, dating? I'll give you some scenarios where it might just be okay. From the pleasure and the politics, to the hang-ups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Before I share this next story with you, I want to remind you tomorrow is the 38th Annual Jamaica Day Festival that takes place at Parc Jean Drapeau. So if you love reggae music, Jamaican food, and rasta love, it's all about peace and love, then uh, show up at the Annual Jamaica Day Festival Park, Jean Drapeau, tomorrow. All right, when is it ever okay to ghost someone? Is it ever okay to ghost someone? Ghosting basically is cutting off all communication and dropping out of someone's life without an explanation of any kind. So you become essentially a ghost. Is it ever acceptable? In some situations, it absolutely is the healthiest thing to do but in the world of dating this is where ghosting uh, actually uh, happens uh, not uh, not usually in you know you don't just ghost someone you've been dating for months and months at least if you do that that's pretty jerky uh, but uh, let's say at the very beginning first date second date third date if you've decided not to continue the relationship don't you think the kindest most respectful thing to do is just offer a few words of Uh, like uh, of explanation or a decision so that the other person has a bit of clarity about the situation. If you, according to this, if you've had less than three dates, a simple text or email with words along the lines of, it was nice to meet you, but I didn't feel the connection should generally just be enough. However, if you've been on more than five dates and you've been physically intimate, then you have started to develop some kind of emotional attachment. If you just cut off contact without any explanation or someone cuts off contact with you, that has the potential to cause at least some level of distress and it's painful for uh, the other person. So it's also unkind, right? Just to uh, disappear. But when is it okay to go someone? It's certainly okay if there's any form of abuse. In other words, if someone makes you feel unsafe or there's some form of abuse, then disappearing without an explanation is okay. If someone violates your boundaries, in other words, they start to act like stalkerish kind of thing, like they show up at your workplace, they contact your ex, they... Uh, are are threatening in some way, or you feel threatened in some way, then disappearing on them and ghosting them is perfectly acceptable. And the third good reason for ghosting and healthy reason for ghosting is if you catch someone in a, a, a manipulative lie. In other words, a lie that's intended to manipulate you. For example, the person is married. You didn't know it. And then you discover that then, uh, clearly that person has shown a a disregard for your emotional well-being. And guess what? You don't know that person, an explanation for nothing. You just walk away and don't show up. Uh, this text writes, I was ghosted by a boyfriend. I laugh about it now, even though it hurt really badly when it happened, but we have been together for three months and he decided to ghost me three months. Jeez to ghost me when my car broke down in minus 36 weather and I needed someone to come pick me up. I I ended up getting frostbite and pneumonia. Nice guy. Like seriously? And then he just never, you never heard from him? You asked him after three months, please help me out. Never heard from him again from that day on? Wow, that's crappy, crappy behavior. Like I... Sometimes it baffles me, the unkindness of people. Like I generally think most of us want to behave in a kind manner. And, and I, I do believe in the kindness of people, but so, which is why, like when I hear this stuff, I'm like, I, ah, like my, my, my jaw drops. Like seriously, I can't believe there are such jerks living out there doing this kind of stuff. Six little green flags that you have found a keeper. So this is the other side of the, uh, the ghosting, right? This is when you definitely don't want to ghost. They're the first person you want to share good or bad news with. You are able to be the real you around them, authentic. You are the authentic you. Their communication skills are great, even when life is not so great. They're flexible enough to do some things your way without being resentful, blaming, or thinking that they have lost. So it's not about winning or losing. Your circle of friends and family are big fans of this person. In other words, they like him or her. They think you're good together. Your friends can tell you a lot. They get to see a lot. And you're proud to call them your partner basically there's an appreciation for this partner you're proud to be with them and uh and you're grateful uh to be in that relationship there you go so those are the little green flags that you have found the good one remember the red flags these are the green flags uh, what else can I share with you quickly before we, uh, go? There's, oh, so many things. So, so many stories and not enough times. Oh yes. I want to share this. Uh, Canada's top 15 cheating cities, top 15 cheating cities. <laughs> These are, you wouldn't think this was it, but, um, we didn't even make like Montreal isn't even on the top 15. I just want to tell you not one single Quebec town is on the list despite it being the biggest, uh, province. So small town folks seem to be the biggest cheaters. Here you go. And this is according to Ashley Madison. Woo. You know, Ashley Madison, the cheating website. Number one on the list is Guelph, Ontario. Number two is Abbotsford, BC, Oshawa, Barry, Ontario, Hamilton, Kitchener, Whitehorse, then St. John's, Newfoundland. Kingston comes in at number nine. Yellowknife at number 10. St. Catharines in Niagara is at number 11. Kelowna, BC, number 12. Fredericton, New Brunswick at number 13. Edmonton, number 14. And 15 on the list is Charlottetown, uh, PEI. So a lot of small towns, lots of cheating. <laughs> Big cities? I don't know. They're not using those sites. I guess it's easier. Maybe it's just easier to find a partner. I'm not sure. That's it for me for this week on, uh, passion. Listen, you can send me emails anytime you have questions for me about your, about your sex life, your love life, your relationship. You want some advice, do write into me. You can write into Lori at drlorie.com. Go straight to my website, which is drlorie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E. Uh, And then uh, you can just fill out the form and and send it to me. And I will share that without sharing any names. Remember that I keep it like anonymous. Okay. Uh, And I'll share it at the beginning of every show where I will answer those questions uh, for you. Thank you so much for being with me tonight. Uh, Thank you to our passion researcher, Linda DeLisi, our technical producer, Aaron Lakoff. Again, if you want to connect with me through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at... D-R-Lori-Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion.